This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The commandments of God are not hard for us to keep. They're not burdensome. God doesn't burden us with his commandments. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? How many of you know where they're found in the Bible? How many of you would say that you could recite the Ten Commandments? Okay, just so a few of you. But as believers, we really need to know where the Ten Commandments are. We need to know what they say, and we need to be able to recite them. We need to be able to speak them out when someone comes to you and says, what, you guys, be you believe in the Ten Commandments? What are they? You know, there's been some studies that have been done recently regarding Christians that don't know about the Ten Commandments. They don't know where they're found. They don't know what they are even saying, and they don't, certainly, they couldn't read to you by memory, that is, the list. And so we need to change this. This, to me, is something that really does need to be changed. We do need to know the heartbeat of God. God does not change. Let's say it with me. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me tell you, when you're going through a hard time or if you just have a hard day, when you know how to equip yourself based on the Word of God and you get your Bible out or you've got it memorized and you've already equipped yourself, but you focus on the Word and you say, Lord, what do you want to say to me right now from your Word? And God brings that Word back to you. What's happening is as that you are being equipped to be a strong, valiant soldier for Christ instead of being taken away by every whim that happens in life, right? We've got all kinds of assignments that try to come against our minds, our emotions, our wills, our relationships, all kinds of situations. But if we could adhere to the word and say, Lord, what are you saying right now? Or open up your word and make sure you do receive that word from God. That's your sustaining power. It's the fire of God within you that's going to sustain you, right? So his word says in 1 John 5, in verse 3 and in verse 4, it says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Say, I'm going to keep his commandments. I'm going to keep his commandments, and it says, and his commandments are not burdensome. As I was preparing for this message, because we're in Exodus chapter 20, and in Exodus chapter 20 is when the Ten Commandments are listed, and it's also listed again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. But as I was preparing for our study today, and you know what we're going to speak on today, you know about the Ten Commandments, the very, very first thing that I heard the Lord say in my spirit is that they are not burdensome. And I knew that that was the word of God. I knew it was the scripture. So, I just, so I'm like, okay, we're going to start with the fact that they are not burdensome. The commandments are not burdensome. That's why it's important that you are in your word so that as you're preparing for anything in life, that it's the word that comes to you because God wants to speak. Do you not know that God wants to speak? He wants to speak through me right now. Lord, speak through me right now. Let nothing of me come forth but everything of you. He wants to speak through each and every one of you every day of your life. He wants to speak through us when we, let our, when we yield to him and we let ourselves be a vessel that he can speak through, then he will. When we live our life in the word, then there's something that he's going to bring back to our memory and to our minds and speak through us. Amen? So it says, for this is the love of God. It's the love of God. This is the love of God that we keep the commandments. God loves it when we keep his commandments. In other words, it is God's delight when we keep his word. And it says, and his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God, it says, overcomes the world. And we've been born of God. 
You've been born of God. If you've been born of God, you overcome the world. Jesus overcame. He already overcame. He overcame the world. But it says, whoever is born of God overcome. So say, I'm an overcomer in every area of life. I'm an overcomer in my marriage. I'm an overcomer in my relationships. I'm an overcomer in my own personal walk. I'm an overcomer. It says, whoever is born of God, are you born of God? If we're born of God, then you're an overcomer. So the world would want to tell you that you will not overcome in this one area. Yeah, that's fine. You can say that. But in this one area, you won't overcome. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Say that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because I just read in the word. I just read it. I just read it in the word. The word says that those that are born of God are, they overcome. Whoever, whatever is born of God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. When you have faith in this very thing, not faith in the circumstance, when you have faith that what God says is true, that's what's going to come to pass. He who overcomes the world, it says, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's go to John 14. These are some of the scriptures that he was bringing to my mind before we get to our main text, which is in Exodus. So let's go to John 14. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord God. We just eat your word. We delight in your word. We will take our time in your word, Father, because your word will truly transform us. Your commandments are not burdensome. Followed nowadays because we are not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Have any of you heard that argument? You've heard it, yeah? couple of you yeah yeah I've heard it too and it's ridiculous what some people and I'm talking about Christians by the way I'm not talking about the world even from Christians that oh that's the Old Testament oh that's the Old Testament so we don't need to concern ourselves with that that's a lie God is the same church of God God is the same praise the Lord so if he's the same and his word is in the Old Testament but it's repeated everything Everything that God listed in his commandments in the Old Testament is repeated in the New. We're not going to talk about that today. That message is for Saturday night. I'm going to prove to you that it's all in the New Testament, but that's Saturday night. Today we just want to talk about these commandments. I want to make sure you know them. I want to make sure that you know where they're found. I want to make sure that you know that, yes, we are still to abide by the Ten Commandments. Amen? So let's, let's look at John 14, verse 15 starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray that the Father, and it says, and that he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Say, the Father sends me the Spirit of God, right? Jesus sent it, so that he will abide with us forever. His promise is that he will abide forever, right? And it says in verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world can't receive it. That's why when you talk to certain people, they can't hear what you have to say. They don't want to hear what you have to say. The world cannot receive. They're spiritually still dead. Their spiritual eyes have not opened up. So they can't hear, so therefore they can't receive. It says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. They don't see what you see. You know, you're getting frustrated, but they don't see what you see. They're, they're spiritually discerned. In other words, they don't have sight. It says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you. Say he dwells in me. 
and he will be in me, he will be in you. And, and then he goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to visit you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Let's go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. We know the greatest commandment. I'm sure if I asked you, most of you guys would be able to tell me the greatest commandment. I know you can tell me, Pastor BJ. <laughs> Matthew 22 in verse 37 and through 39. Jesus said, and these are his words. By the way, this was first spoken in the, new, in the Old Testament, and it's just repeated again in the, in the New. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. With, it says, with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is like it. This is, this is the greatest commandment, and then the second is like it, loving your neighbor as yourself. You shall love the Lord your God. But the Bible tells us, if you love God, then you will obey my commandments. You know, so when you think about it, if you love God, you're going to obey what he calls you to do. If you love God, you're going to, you're going to take him at his word and you're going to literally do what it says, whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, we're going to do what the word of God tells us to do. When you don't want to praise, you praise anyway. When you don't want to pray, you pray anyway, right? When you don't want to give, you give anyway. When you don't want to fast, you fast anyway. The word of God is clear about us standing in faith and doing the will and the works of God. Amen. There's a blessing. There's a benefit. There's a blessing that come to those that obey him. Now let's go to Exodus and chapter 20. Somebody say Exodus chapter 20 is where the commandments are found. Exodus chapter 20 is where the commandment, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are found. And then again in Deuteronomy 5. Praise the Lord. Let's, I'm going to read this to you here. And we're going to start with verse 1. Verse 1. And it says here, And God spoke all these words. God spoke all these words. I want to stop, though, for a minute, you guys. God didn't just randomly speak. What was happening to Moses when God spoke all these words? Flip your Bible. Flip the page. One, Just go one back. Just go one back to chapter 19. Remember? We were just talking about this last week. Remember, he called him up on the mountain. He called him up to Mount Sinai. Remember, God spoke to him. There was thunder. There was lightning. God spoke to him. All of a sudden, he says, Moses, come up. He called him up. Why? Because God wanted to reveal to this man of God that God used to have all the whole nation of Israel leave out of a place of bondage. And then God used this same man to speak something to. God wants to use you, man of God, just like he spoke to Moses. God wants to use you as well. Let all discouragement come off of you in the name of Jesus. Any place where there's discouragement, it has to come off. Because, you know, Moses didn't really think he was qualified. In the beginning, he did not think he was qualified. He remained as man. And the Bible says he's the most humblest man that we've all known. A man of great humility, which means that all throughout his life, all throughout his walk, he knew it was all God and none of him. Man of God, that's what he's going to do in your life. All of God and none of you. God is doing something in your heart and he's transforming you because he wants to use you, but he's going to make sure it's the spirit of the living God in you that's going to work this thing, not you. 
Amen. And so God takes this man that is so afraid to speak, doesn't want to speak. And then he has this burning bush experience. You guys know, cause we've been in the story and it's a powerful, powerful testimony, right? It's a powerful testimony, but he gets them up to the place where he is now telling the children of Israel that he's going to go up to the mountain because God's called him to go up. And he, when he goes up to this mountain, there's this fire, there's an earthquake. There's all this dramatic happening. Why? Because God was present. And God is present with us now. And in this amazing, crazy, radical experience where it was God and Moses, God and Moses, he speaks to him of the heart of God, the Ten Commandments. The heart of God. He says, I want to speak something to you. God could have told him anything. He could have told him anything. But he chose to tell him these ten very specific commandments because he knew something that if my people would just heed my word that their lives would be transformed that I will not allow the plagues the sicknesses and the diseases to come upon them I will not allow the plagues that they see elsewhere to come upon their life if they just keep my commandments God could have told them did you ever stop to think about that why that out of everything God could have said, why did he go and say that? Because it's important. Because it's significant. And you've got to know, these are times and places where God is saying, this is a time and space, this is marked out. Like, this is, this is different. Like, this moment right now is different. It's marked out. I am going to deposit into you something that you're going to then carry to the nations. You're going to tell the people. So let's go to Exodus 20 in, chapter, in verse 1. He says, God spoke these words and he said, he said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house, out of the bondage of Egypt. I brought you out. Lest you ever forget, I brought you out. You guys, it's the same for us. He brought us out of the bondage, out of the house of Egypt, out of the places of bondages. You were all in a place of bondage at one point in one time. We all were. But God brought us out. And look at what it says. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Why did he say? He said this because he knew the temptation was for people to allow other people or other things to take the place of God. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. Say no other gods. I will have no other gods before God. Hallelujah. And then number two, he says, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. He says, I don't want you to have idols. He says, make sure that you have no other gods before me. You do not bow down or serve them. Do not have idols. But then look at what it says. He says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation, to those who hate me. Wow. Now he's saying to those who hate me. It's a strong word to use. Why? Because if you're going to allow anything to come in between your relationship with the Lord your God, who is jealous over you, you're allowing the spirit of God to be, to have the anger of God be roused, uh, uh, you know, for him to say, wait, I'm a jealous God. Why is it that you are allowing an idol to take that place of our divine connection that I have sent my son to die in your place so that we can have a covenant relationship? All this points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus, the savior that was going to come, which we know has come, right? And so he's saying, 
Have no other gods before me, number one. Don't make any carved images. Don't bow down. Don't serve them. Have no idols in your life. But look at what it says here. I just read it. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities, iniquities, visiting the sins, right, of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. And then he goes on to say, but, but the blessing of God to the thousands of generations, the mercy, the blessing of God to the thousands of generations to those who keep my commandments. So let's go back to that part where it says, the iniquities he's going to visit to the third and fourth generation. So grandparents and parents, parents and grandparents and grand, you know, on and on to the third and fourth generation. There are things that people have done in your life. That's why today we even started with that. We started with that because that's what the spirit of the Lord told me to do in that time of the ministry. But I want you to see the connection. This is biblical. When we take authority and we bind up foul spirits that have come against your family bloodline, generational curses and such, that things have been done in your bloodline, people, you know, often operating in a spirit of witchcraft, sorcery, come on, you know, going to psychics and raising their children to do the same. Oh my goodness, tarot cards and seances and thinking that it's okay, looking for that as an answer. Oh, they do it. And even Christians will do it and call themselves Christians, but it's wrong. You guys, the Bible says that's actually, a, it's an abomination. And the Bible, and the Bible tells you not to do such an act. And in, in Deuteronomy 18, it'll tell you, these are wicked things. According to the Lord, he says, I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. These things are going to bring curses into your life and ultimately death ultimately death. And so when we recognize the things that are in our bloodline, we must take authority, repenting over false gods in our family's bloodline, repenting for them, repenting for ourselves, things they've done, things we've done, or doors that we've allowed opened in our lives. We need to, we need to say, no, we're going to close that door. Why? Because our God is a jealous God. Because our God is that is the scripture. The soul that sins is the soul that dies. So in other words, nobody can say I am 100% innocent, but yet all of this demonic junk is being transferred to me. No, mm -mm. it doesn't work like that. The soul that sins is the soul that dies. So here's the thing. There is a propensity that happens. There is a bent that happens in our lives, right? It's really just original sin, right? And so when our parents or grandparents and such have opened up certain kind of demonic doors, okay, what happens in us, there is a bent or a propensity to do the same, a curiosity, you might say. But then once you actually take act, when you take an action, when you actually act, when there's an action taken on your part, when you participate is when the door is open but it's pretty easy to participate because why? The parental influence, the influence from the grandparents, what you hear, what you see as a child, you don't have the wisdom to know the difference really. I mean, you, you know, the Holy Spirit can certainly help you and he does, but you can see why someone is a young person or even as they get older, the influence in their life it, they would just kind of go towards that witchcraft. They would think, oh, just read my horoscope. Oh, it's no big deal. I'm just going to buy one of those horoscope books. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to check. It doesn't matter. You know, I was, I'm born in such and such month. So therefore my personality, they say my personality is this. So therefore that's what, oh, I'm a such and such. What are you? How many of you guys used to do that? <laughs> used to, used to is the key word. You know, a lot of us used to do that. You know, it was intriguing. It was fun. We didn't know the difference. 
But when our eyes opened up and we recognized that we are dabbling, that is dabbling in witchcraft. That is dabbling. In, when you dabble in horoscopes, when you dab, you're dabbling in the very thing that God says, I'm a jealous God. And I visit the iniquities of the father to the third and fourth generation. In other words, you better stop and get this right. But we know how to get it right. We repent and we come out of agreement with any demonic assignment in our life. And we say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive our bloodline. And we cast those demons out. All manner. You know what the bottom line it is? It's rebellion and idolatry. 